And welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It's October the 14th and yet another another busy, busy week, hasn't it been, Phil? Yeah, yeah it has. Plenty of news. Yeah, a lot I mean, plenty of news, quite a lot of sort of macro stuff as well. We always know October is um, traditionally quite a difficult month uh, and, you know, you tend to have storms and market crashes and things. Um, you know, the the, the the crash of 87, which I remember very well, not everybody listening to this probably does, but that was obviously an October crash. It seems like a little blip if you look at the charts now, but it was it was at the time, it was horrific. Yeah, but October is often a difficult month. And, and, and you know, this month we've seen obviously huge concerns uh, with the, the, the petrol strike and gas prices going through the roof, um, inflation and macro issues. I mean, this morning we saw factory gate prices in China up at 10.7% 10, 10. for the year. Well, that gives you a bit of a clue of, of actually what probably global inflation is running at. And my view is that inflation probably is running in double figures in reality. They'll never report that. Um, and that obviously is quite nervy for stock markets and uh, because they worry that interest rates will have to go up to, to dampen it down. I, actually, I think consumer demand will drop off and they'll come down naturally by the middle of next year. But what we have seen um, this week is, is IPOs being pulled. Uh, we saw a couple at the beginning of the week. Uh, one actually, uh, Frugo, I think it was, uh, was pulled and that's obviously in the brand sector. We'll maybe talk about that later. Uh, but we saw Mali being pulled as well. And then actually today we had some um, some quite weird announcements coming out with, with IPOs intentions to float, or we still expect to float, which was an interesting one. Um, I've never seen that before. Okay, so they're sort of saying we may or may not float depending upon the market, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that was a, a, a big float actually called Rubik's Group, which is being done by Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley and Barclays. I've just never seen that. It still expects to IPO. Um, so, yeah, the macro picture is quite tricky. The market has been pretty volatile. Um, and then uh, probably the, the stock that has been in the headlines and is, is very relevant to this call has been the Hutt Group, isn't it? Yeah, THG. They had a um, yeah, call with analysts and investors earlier in the week. Um, and these calls are normally to reassure on everything and to outline the strategy and the prospects ahead. Well, I mean, he didn't do a terribly good job, did he? Because, you know, the stock had been collapsing, as we discussed last week, because of um, what the FT was commenting upon. Uh, and it carried on collapsing during the investicle. Um, so, you know, it's and I think, it, again, it sort of reminded people about some of these big IPOs that, yeah, OK, you get all the big, big, well-known banks doing them. But are they actually the IPOs you want to follow? Yeah, yeah, that's the, you're, you're right, Andrew, that, that you need to look very closely at the business and the way it's structured and the way it's managed. And I think one of the challenges here for the market has been the, you know, the sort of the, the, the management in terms of, you know, a joint chief exec chairman, all these, you know, his core holding, how much influence he has on the business. And it's, you know, it's that shift from being a private company to being a public company where you have a new set of owners, which are, you know, which are pension funds and mainly pension funds. And they need to be treated accordingly. I mean, at the end of the day, this is part of people's pensions that are being invested. Mm. I, I mean, look, this is a tech and transitional energy podcast, so I, I don't want to waffle off on too much of a big picture. But, you know, you hear all about these city reforms that will allow for these strange structured companies and SPACs and all this sort of thing. You know, I don't think that is the solution to the, the city's problems. Um, 
you know, because here is proof of the pudding. You start having these sort of wacky structures and it actually doesn't really work. And, you know, there's a great saying, I think it was Warren Buffett that said it, you know, if, if you can't understand a company, don't buy it. And I think that probably is true to the Hutt Group. Also, sometimes another good saying, which if it's too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Um, you know, sticking to fundamentals. And I, I, you know, one of the fund managers that I have a lot of time for and who I do invest in his, his mid-cap fund, actually, um, but in my view, he's probably one of the, the, the smartest fund managers out there is Andy Bruffett Schroeder's. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I've been listening to some of the stuff he's been saying, and he would certainly go along with those policies. You know, he's actually a, a big fan of IPOs, um, but he's also, you know, cautious of IPOs that try not to be um, sensible for all involved. And what he always says is, look, everybody's got to go away with a party balloon. So, you know, the investors should get in a good deal. The company should you know, have a deal that is appropriate, not trying to, you know, maximise the price. Um, people shouldn't all be selling out at the same time. Um, you know, there's ways of doing this. And, and THG really just didn't do it in the way that where everybody got a party balloon. It felt like only, you know, a few people, the sellers, got a party balloon. Um, Andy, if you're listening to this, do correct me if you think I'm wrong with what you have to say. Um but I think that's the thing. You, everyone's got to go away with a party balloon. Wouldn't you agree with that, Phil? Oh, I do. Um, yes. And there's a holder of funds in my set. I most certainly do. And as I say, at the end of the day, a lot of this money is people's pensions. And I think boards of directors who are managing those those people's money should be, you know, appropriately careful with it. Mm. Having having said all that together, I still think the uh, the brand sector has got plenty of, of growth within it um in certain particular areas i mean i think there was a lot of um publicity this week about plant burgers being sold at mcdonald's um i mean just before you give your view i have to say personally if you're a vegetarian why are you going to mcdonald's you know why are you going for a burger i mean a burger is maybe i'm old-fashioned and a dinosaur but a burger is a burger and it's meat if you want to eat vegetarian food go to a salad bar but I'll probably get criticised for saying that when I feel. Yeah, well, I'm going to balance that one. I would say, well, if all your mates, are, you know, your friends are off for a burger, you'd like to go with them and have something to eat. So, Mackie D's are, you know, catering for you. So, there. <laughs> so I could see the rationale on the other side, and it, you know, it's widening there. It's widening their audience as well, and ultimately, is you know, it's concerning beef. So, as we know, that's a big uh, creator of greenhouse gases and methane so um well they do say it's it's the biggest they say that beef cattle raising is the biggest creator of, of greenhouse gases and that is the biggest issue for climate change I, I think as most people know my view is actually the biggest issue is that we just have too much population in this world population has, has gone exponential that's the wrong word exponential whatever it is extrapolated by miles um, in the last couple of hundred years. I mean, there are just too many people living on this planet. Um, and of course, they all want to eat better and better food, which means yeah, they're all aiming to go and try and have a really nice steak, which by the way, I had last night. It was absolutely delicious. Um, <laughs> adding to the greenhouse cushion. Well, we're, we're, we're rambling a bit off, off piste here, actually. We need to get back onto tech and trans, don't we? <laughs> but I'll tell you what, you know, look, obviously, you know, there's a lot of information out on the Hut Group. We don't really need to discuss it yeah. anymore. But um, whilst we're on transitional energy, uh, I am pleased that uh, our favourite that we do tend to talk about almost um, every week uh, in Vinity Energy Systems has announced today that the first cluster 
at the Energy Superhub Oxford is now they've basically handed over the keys. It's up and running and working and all the batteries are working uh, together. Uh, I mean, that is a, a fantastic piece of news because it really does mean there is a live production um, facility out there that any other potential uh, buyer of their product can go and look at and go, wow, that really works. And of course, just to remind people at the Oxford Energy Superhub, um, that uh, whole battery system sits alongside lithium in a sort of hybrid form, uh, which you know we think has a huge amount of um, potential future for putting the two together. And you could actually, even if you've got a big lithium battery storage um, project at the moment, there's nothing to stop you adding a bit of vanadium alongside it now to keep the life of your lithium going on a bit longer. And I think that's what a lot of these projects should do. Anyway, great reaction today. Nice to see the share price up above a pound. Clearly what we want to see now is a flow of new orders coming through so actually we can see the stock back up to two pounds three pounds four pounds and of course then when they start selling with Siemens Gamesa um, you know the stock could go even further but let's not discuss that on this podcast too much um, but uh, did, 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 would you agree with all of that or have you got any other comments on that Phil? Well no look I'm just a reminder it's a corporate client of ours but it's leading edge battery tech and you know I mean it's a UK you know it's a UK company it's just it's just great to see us, you know, the UK is taking a lead in some of these these um, you know, projects, particularly the Energy Super Hub uh, Oxford project, which is, um, you know, set to be uh, sort of rolled out and replicated across the UK. So it's hybrid or it's pure lithium. Um, but, uh, you know, it's all for EV charging and for the EV, you know, the EV markets ultimately. So, so you know, it's an exciting, very exciting project. And uh, as I say, this is sort of leading edge tech that's involved in it. Yeah. Now, also just jumping back to my IPO bit, I, I probably should have, have mentioned um, that obviously we saw this week the announcement that Podpoint is going to IPO uh, and they are one of the biggest, I think they claim to be the largest in the UK of, of EV charging points. Um, so that will be exciting for the EV charging ones. I also see that a good energy had a trading update. And just, just reading that out, it, the, the comment was, the board is pleased to confirm that despite the ongoing volatility in the UK energy sector and low wind speeds in Q3 2021 impacting performance, there is no change to good energy's full year expectations. But it then goes on to say that in September 2021, it's a record-breaking growth in the UK electric vehicle market. One in seven of all cars sold was a battery EV, representing a 50% increase basically from last year. Um, so clearly, you know, the whole UK EV market is going incredibly strongly. Um, and also they own uh, ZapMap, don't they? Uh, which is yep. the UK's leading EV mapping platform for where all these EV chargers are. Uh, and they said that that was growing incredibly strongly too. Um, so I think this was all coming out on Monday, massive news on Monday for basically EV charging um, and, you know, incredibly good news. And yet the play that we always talk about is Nexus Infrastructure, uh, because they are actually also one of the UK's leading um, providers of EV charging points, although they often do it underneath somebody else's name. Uh, that stock didn't move at all, which is wrong. Um, so, yeah, we uh, we like Nexus. We say that most weeks, don't we? <laughs> we do indeed. Yes, it's a good. It's uh, yeah, it's a good story in the space. And um, uh, another one uh, that you might remember we put in our picks and shovels research piece was uh, Volex. Uh, VLX is a ticker, four hundred sixty-nine million market cap, and their shares are up 
36% year to date. So it's been performing very well. They, um, so Volex make um, connectors uh, and cabling systems. And these are not, you know, they're, they're not simple assemblies of cables that plug on the end, far from it. They often have to carry very high electrical currents and, um, and you know, current that's very stable and very controlled. So there's a lot of engineering goes into their into their products. Uh, and one of their markets, of course, is electrification, um, charging points, and in vehicles as well. So they made a they made a couple of acquisitions, smaller acquisitions uh, this week. Um, one is for manufacturing in Mexico and the US, and the other is a, a large wire harness manufacturer in Canada. So, so that's the big quite a few acquisition announcements this week, actually. And that is one of them. So I just spotted that, and that again, EV charging linked. Well, well worth, by the way, anybody who, who didn't see our picks and shovels know it's up on our website. Uh, there's a portal you can go in and read it. Um, we picked some bloody good stocks there, actually. Uh, and actually, also just as a small red herring, but purely because I know that one of the listeners to this podcast pointed out to me. I did a, a few weeks point ago point out with all this gas crisis we're having that uh, there was a, a, an energy a gas storage company um that was totally undervalued called harlan and wolf it's obviously harlan and wolf is a shipbuilding company but they did own this thing called island mcgee which is a, a gas storage facility um and um i said you know that's a tip because with the gas crisis you should be having a look at it and it did jump 30 percent the other day as they got their their license so we, we give tips on everything on this podcast yep we try to cover all bases <laughs> yeah Okay, um, so uh, what wh what else do you want to talk about, Phil? Yep. Okay. Well, there's, there's quite a few things. Um, have you come across Discovery Group? Uh, ticker is DSCV. Uh, it's a billion market cap now, and it's been performing performing very well. Uh, quite. I'm sure this used to be Acal Distribution originally, um, but it's it's electronics, electronics components, and um, design, manufacture, and supply of of, of electronic systems. Um, and this, the company's been quite acquisitive. Uh, it's grown by acquisition and organically. Um, they've they've had uh, they've had results out. There's a trading I think there's a trading update from them. Um, but the first thing I point out about this company, Andrew, is to you know, and obviously looking around the Hut Group and and how they're getting information out to the market and describing what they do. Um, and clearly probably a bit more work to do after the, the investor call this week. But look at this company. And if you look at the way that it reports and the financial information that it gives and the granularity that it gives, it's really, really quite impressive. It is, you know, apart from the business itself and the business performance. Um, but bearing in mind it's in electronics, bearing in mind all of the issues with the global supply chains at the moment, and particularly highlighted for the semiconductor industry, um, they had... You know, they'd seen their revenue pick up in the there was there was September year end, um, but at the back end of, of of last year, financial year, they'd seen revenue pick pick up, and they can see that you know they continue to see their revenue growth accelerate, and so you know, and a, a big increase in their order books as well. Now they're supplying, bear in mind that you know quite a broad range of industries: renewable energy, transport, medical, industrial, and connectivity, which 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 is many communications, I think. But I, I was quite taken by this in that not only is it sort of recovering with the economic curve, but it's recovering through, um, you know, a supply chain stress that we've, you know, I can't remember when we've seen anything like like it. And they're accommodating it. So that was quite, quite eye-catching. 
Actually, sorry, I'm jumping around a bit here, so I do apologise to listeners. Um, talking of performance, did you see, I think it was on Time Flies, Tuesday, that ESS, which is the Bill Gates-backed iron flow battery company, uh, did its SPAC deal on NASDAQ and went up 150% on day one to a $3 billion market cap. I mean, okay, I know people like following Bill Gates, but, you know, seriously, iron flow batteries are really complicated because although they, in theory, are a really good idea, the problem is that the size of, of land you need to generate enough power compared with, say, a vanadium flow battery is literally 10, if not more, times larger. And so you just will never be able to get enough power out of them to actually function properly, in my view. Right. But $3 billion uh, market cap. Whoa. Yeah, yeah well, um, and then back to our friends at Infinity and their flow battery technology are just over $100 billion market cap or he heading towards there. The, <laughs> look, I think, uh, and having looked at tech for many years, is that, the, you know, the race is on with, with battery technology for, for, you know, for alternatives to mm -hmm. lithium or technologies will be complement or be better than lithium. It can't be all lithium because there's going to be too much dependency on it and again stress on the supply chain so well, these are these are very attractive things anyway we're repeating ourselves here now so <laughs> exactly anyway so so, so so moving swiftly onwards um there was a trading update from um electric components who uh ecm's a ticket this one is a very large market cap it's five billion why we're commenting on this uh, it's interim since September. Electric components are one of the largest um, electronics distributors. So they're exposed to all sorts of end industries. So I always watch these companies like this, Andrew, because you can get a feel for the way that, um, you know, demand is occurring in the system. Um, and they were saying, uh, you know, if therefore you look at their four years to March 20, they grew revenue by 3.7% to £2 billion, which is kind of what you'd expect in a normal economic climate. And they just said that their first half revenue growth was 30%, uh, 31% um, revenue growth. And like, you know, so that's quite exceptional. But again, to point out here, and about these supply chain issues of it, you know, catching all the news, that they were able to achieve this you know, recovery in a, a pretty chronic supply chain environment. So, you know, firms are starting to absorb some of this. I mean, they have said that, uh, you know, when they look forward, they've got tougher comparators, obviously, because they've been through a strong recovery period. And that does include supply chain shortages uh, impacting them. But it's quite, quite intriguing to see how things are starting on things to be accommodated a bit. Hmm. I'll be honest with you, I, I missed that one, I think. Well, there we go. We're trading. Um, who else came out? Uh, there was an acquisition from Aptitude Software, APTD. Uh, the market cap, this is 369 million. Um, and they have, and these shares have doubled over five years. So this is incredible. This is in accounting software um, and revenue recognition and lease accounting now. For those of us that might not be been, been counters, analysts, and accountants, revenue recognition, as we all know, uh, will will know from holding shares and particularly technology shares, is a tricky old area. 
to, to, to say the least. Um, and their and their software helps uh, finance directors to, uh, to 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 do their correctly do their revenue recognition and also lease accounting is something very new as well that FDs are having to deal with. They have eighty enterprise clients, including Aviva, Bank of Ireland, and their revenue, which I their own revenue is split pretty evenly between the US and, and Europe, which is a which is a good good sign. So this is a UK software company that's clearly got strong sales into the uh, into the US. So they've made an acquisition uh, they announced this week for an enterprise value of 37 million pounds um, to add to their to their software portfolio. Um, and it, it it gives them a presence in telecoms and media uh, verticals. So that's uh, yeah that, that that was quite inter- that was quite interesting one, but this has been a nice steady, a nice steady grow. I looked at that. Yeah, I mean, look, working out revenue recognition is a very interesting subject. Going slightly off piste again, I, I was talking to clients earlier this week about how you know looking at one set of reporting accounts is a bit like looking at a painting. You know, some people like it, some don't. It's a very judgmental. What you really need to do is look at a film which is actually look at a series of reporting accounts, because it's only when you have a series of reporting accounts and actually what you should do is take the balance sheets and work out your own cash flow from the balance sheets in each set of accounts to really understand what is going on in those businesses. And it's really the only way. And so if you're valuing a company, you really want to use the film, not the painting. That was pretty off-piste. No, it's pretty on point um, because the you know you were looking particularly in tech space things being valued on multiples of revenues and without necessarily looking at the well it, it goes into the cash flows in terms of the discounted cash flows and this is why interest rates will have an impact on tech valuations because as you and i know for the you know for the high growth companies you're looking at forward cash flows that they throw off and and if they perform better than where you can put your money somewhere safe um and if interest rates go up and the banks are paying better interest than you tech stocks generating in terms of its cash then you, you go there so so no you're quite you're quite on point there with that one um, always always look at the cash flows of a business to to get a proper feel for what's happening that, that's certainly what i do uh, talking of cash flows but a different sort of cash flow i saw a very interesting um uh, chart or whatever you want to call it of, of cash flows into venture capital tech tech venture capital funds and where where the money is actually really flowing in, because a lot of money in Q3 uh, 2021, it looks like about 150 billion euros of money went into VC tech funds, huge amount of money. And it's grown recently, the amount of money going in. But what I found interesting about it was it was nearly all going into the segment of between 100 million euros and and greater. there was a little bit of growth in the sort of 15 to 100 million euros, but actually in the in what is known as the C and the pre-seed uh, round, virtually no growth at all of money going in. And yet, actually, I think at the moment that's one of the more interesting places to look at. Now, clearly, it's risky, and and you know, seed money is 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 what as it says, seed money. It can grow into something really big, or it can actually never grow at all. So you need to obviously look at a portfolio. Um, and we've discussed this a lot on, the, on this podcast. So I won't go into the different sorts of portfolios, but I think it is interesting that you know clearly money wants to go into this space, uh, but it is going very much for the big companies rather than the small companies. But the small companies, I think, is where you're going to make your money. Uh, it, it is actually, um, and seed investments 
uh, this year has has come down. As you're right, a, a lot of the money is going into uh, what's called the mid market, the mid market space. But of course, with with great irony, what that does is chase up valuations um, and make it harder to get returns. But I think the, the, probably the overall encouraging. Clearly, I, I think there's a gap in the seed side as well, and of course, it's vital. That, that that investment comes in otherwise where will the companies of the future um you know come from so mm. you've got to have that you've got to have that early stage of investment but overall what's been encouraging i think is the sea change in the last five years in terms of the scale of investment that's coming into the into the sector and and the more the better and, and ultimately you know as you and i discussed the, the ipo market's vitally vitally important to give investors uh, you know, you and I, private investors, um, an opportunity to have a have a share in that growth. So it's not all you know in, in private funds that we can't access. Yep. Okay. Uh, we, we're going to get close to our time, and we want to keep this within thirty minutes. Uh, by the way, if you're driving and listening to this, do keep your eyes on the road. Um, any other results or anything you want to comment on, Paul and Phil? Uh, I, I I don't think there is. But your last comment there just reminds me of a. A joke I saw was a sign in a church, and it was along the lines that, um, yeah, if you drive, you've got your mobile phone, and you'd like to see God, then keep viewing your texts. <laughs> right. On that, on that note, that I should, note. <laughs> yeah, that was really bad. Uh, we'll we'll call it a day there. But again, look, anybody listening, if you've got uh, comments, just do feel free to send them to us. Uh, people do, and they're really useful. If you've got stocks you'd like us to have a look at, please tell us. We'll have a, a look at it. We'll, we'll try and look at the film rather than the painting. And uh, on that note, we'll speak again next week. Will do, Andrew. Look forward to it.